We're on our own now. No more Aslan, no more kings, no more silly stories about other worlds. The dwarves are for the dwarves. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, or should I say welcome back, because Chase and I have had a nice, you know, busy summer, um, but if you're new somehow, where we're, we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, I'm Kel. I'm Chase. Thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are going to be talking about the seventh book in the series, The Last Battle, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we will go on to tangents into other stories and pieces of pop culture that we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we are discussing the seventh chapter of the seventh books. It's mainly about dwarves. It, wait, what's this chapter about? Mainly about dwarves. Oh, I didn't get that. You want to know what the title is? It's mainly about dwarves. So you're saying this is mainly about dwarves? It's mainly about dwarves. Yeah, it's well, uh, yeah, it's, a little bit about PTSD, but <laughs> a little bit about PTSD, but not enough. <laughs> mainly about dwarves. Small, small font, and a little bit about PTSD. <laughs> small font. You just killed a guy. <laughs> what? Chase, we haven't even got to the summary yet. How are these people going to know anything? No, these are uh, these are. Breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. These are teasers. Yeah, I don't know if a teaser. I don't know if Eustace killed a guy as a teaser. I think that's just saying something. Honestly, I would like that as a chapter title better. But Eustace killed a guy. It's that feels very like it's sunny in Philadelphia. Like, uh, like the gang kills a guy. (laughs) I mean, I I would take that little bit of tongue in cheek for C.S. Lewis. It'd be a better chapter title, but, you know. Alas, Chase, would you like to give us a summary? Yeah, we'll see if this is really about dwarves. We'll see. (laughs) We'll be the judge of that. I'll let you know. Uh, So, yeah, if you remember, for us three months ago, for you one week ago, Tyrion had yelled out to the Calamine soldiers, uh, and the soldiers turned around thinking he was some Calamine lord and respectfully told him that they were leading the dwarves to Calamine to work in the mines of the Tisrock, may he live forever. Tyrion then turned to the dwarves and asked them if the Tisrock had won some great battle to conquer their land and take them captive. But they responded gloomily, no, this is Aslan's orders, he has sold us into slavery. Tyrion pulled forward Puzzle and said how they'd been deceived, and they could see the tattered lion skin pulled back behind his donkey face. The dwarves just stared at Puzzle in disbelief, and the guards questioned Tyrion why he was doing this to their slaves and asked him for the password. Instead, Tyrion attacked them. Eustace joined in as well, each of them killing a Calamine guard, and Eustace feeling changed. And the dwarves also dispatched of the other two guards. The king announced that they were free, and tomorrow they would all take back all of Narnia from the ape. And But when he called for a cheer for Aslan, the dwarves showed very little excitement. Uh, they asked who uh, Jill and Eustace were, who are these kids, and then they said they'd had enough of Aslan for the time being. The king asked what was wrong, and the dwarves said that they were done being duped. All they'd ever been given were stories about Aslan and told to do things, and now they were being asked to trade in the ape's imitation of Aslan for whatever version of Aslan the king can come up with. Well, they weren't having it. Jill asked they how they could not believe in the real Aslan. She had seen him herself, and he'd brought them there from another world. The dwarves shrugged this off, saying she's practiced her lessons well. Uh, Then they turned to Tyrion and said that even if he was the king, and he didn't look like a king, mind you, uh, they didn't need that anymore either. No more Aslan, no more kings, no more stories about other worlds. And all of them just stood there and watched the dwarves walk away and took in this moment in shock. After a little while, they heard someone approaching, and a lone dwarf, Poggin, said he'd uh, escaped his friends and he was on the king's side and Aslan's side and would fight with them. They welcomed him and returned to the tower where they spent the night. The next day they prepared a meal and sat down to talk. First the king asked what tale the other animals tell of his escape. 
which Poggin said was passed around by Ginger the cat, who claimed the king had been tied up and was swearing and cursing against Aslan. And then Aslan appeared in a flash of lightning and swallowed him up in one bite. Apparently, the other animals believed this, and also the ape went along with it and used it to make sure that the rest of the beasts were even more obedient to him. Tyrion asked if Ginger was close in the ape's councils, but apparently it was more the other way around at this point. The ape had taken to drinking pretty heavily, and now it was more Ginger and the Calermaine captain uh, calling the shots. Poggin then disclosed how in a dark place he overheard the cat and Tarkin, uh, the Calamine captain, conspiring, and how they were both growing both weary of the ape and also neither believed that there was either a real Tash or a real Aslan, and they determined to begin turning the other Narnians who didn't believe in Tash or Aslan to their side. As Poggin finished this story, they all noticed it had become cold, and they smelt something that smelt dead, and then they looked up, and the chapter ends. What a cliffhanger. Oh, what a cliffhanger. It smells like dead bird in here, which What's is very that specific. Smell? Looks up, fades to black. <laughs> fades to black. That's when they all died. Or is that later? Who knows? Uh, it could be any It happened at some point. It, it happens maybe. to all of us. If I've learned anything from Barbie Kel, it's that it happens mm. to all of us. You guys ever think about death? Says all of the people at Narnia. Not gonna lie, I've seen that movie three times already. It's been out for it's 18 so days. Good. It's awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, this is not a, a a Barbie podcast, but God, I wish it was. It could uh, be. This could, be, could be all about mainly Barbie. about Barbie. <laughs> yeah, mainly, mainly about Barbie and a little bit of Ken. Uh, <laughs> a surprising amount about Ken. <laughs> surprising, yeah, yeah. Uh, only only when he's on the beach playing guitar, though. So. Uh, but Chase, don't you just hate it when your heretical ape uh, that is, you know, slowly taking over Narnia just becomes an alcoholic? It's a bummer. It really is. And it's, you, it's, hate it, you hate to see it. When you commit your first murder, but no one stops to acknowledge it. Man, boy, do I. Man, <laughs> you that's know, why you I keep had doing a nickel. it. I had a nickel for every time that someone hasn't addressed my first murder. I'd only have one, but it's happened a surprising amount of times. Uh, for the yeah, FBI really listening to this podcast, in Chronicle, at least. Yes, for the FBI listening to this podcast, uh, I have not murdered anyone. Wink, but uh, it's kind of comedy, kind of literature podcast. It's parody, right? Satire, maybe. So, um, it's something. We're we're basically binge mode, uh, but. <laughs> It's just significantly less people who listen, but that's okay. Um, so Chase, I barely remembered until you gave me a great summary. And, you know, I remember now that Tyrion yells at these Calarmine soldiers walking these, uh, these dwarves, uh, in a, in a column. And he's, he's doing a great impression. He's like, oh man, uh, you know, where are these, where are you leading these, these dwarves? And they're like, ah, we're, we're taking these mannequins. Which M A N I K I N S? Mannequin means something else in British. Is that offensive? I don't know, man. Uh, mannequin. I like. It's a new word for me, and I don't do research on this podcast, so oh. you know, we are where we are. Uh, but it says we're we're taking these dwarves to Kellerman, which all I can think of is we're taking the hobbits to Isengard, and that's kind of just playing in my mind now. But to work the minds of the Tizrock, may he live forever. May he live forever. May he live forever. And then Tyrion's like, man, he's, I feel like Tyrion could easily be a great spy. Because he's like, by the great god Tash, they're very obedient. Has the Tizrock fought a great battle, dwarves, and conquered your lands? But he forgot the whole may he live forever when he said Tizrock part. But they, you know, that goes unnoticed. Um, And the dwarves are like, no, Tizrock defeating us how like i'd like to see him try no aslan just sold us into slavery it's fine yeah makes way more sense like for how much stink they put up later in this chapter i feel like they would not have been as willing to go into slavery you'd think you'd You'd think think. you'd ask a follow-up question but (laughs) question why any honestly, any question would do. Uh, how? 
What? This is a this is a SNL celebrity Jeopardy where it's like ask a question, <laughs> any question will do. <laughs> but we see that, that these dwarves are just like chilling, and so Tyrion is like, "Yo, y'all are just willingly going into slavery." He's like, "It's all a lie," and he's still under his like you know, like Calermine facade. And he's like, y'all, this is all a lie. Look, here's Aslan that they've been tricking with. And he pulls out Puzzle the donkey. And like his, you know, coat, like his lion skin mane is like falling off. All the ropes are starting to like get untidy. The donkey looks ridiculous. He's got grass coming out of his mouth. And he's just like, it wasn't my fault. I'm not that clever. Never said I was. Like, poor Puzzle. He just, he doesn't deserve this, man. Yeah, Puzzle's just out here looking disheveled, having a snack, and then being like, well, look how dumb this guy is. <laughs> look how stupid this guy looks. And he's like, you're right. I do look stupid. There's no way I could do this. Don't bother. He's like, he's he's not just Eeyore. He's like, he's like just Eeyore if he kept getting made fun of for being an idiot and he had the lowest self-esteem in the world. So the Gen Z version of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Basically, yeah. More or less. Gen Z, like, you know, an Eeyore for the for the common teenager. But would would the Zoomers even know what Winnie the Pooh is? Would they know Eeyore? Dude, there's some man Or is Eeyore an icon? I think about this with like any old school cartoon, and I'm like, it's not like you're watching like as I remember growing up and like seeing like all the reruns from the older cartoons that obviously didn't come out when we were kids, but like Tom and Jerry, the Flintstones, like anything like that. Whatever the like, uh, that cartoon network, like old school one was, I I don't even remember what the station was, but whatever ran Jetsons and Flintstones and Tom and Jerry, like all that stuff. Totally. It's like, that's not a thing. Exclusively what I watch, like all through elementary school. Yeah. But I saw so I much like, violence, Cal. So much yeah, violence. Yeah, for real. It's, I just don't think that's really like a thing anymore. And you know, that yeah. may be for the best or it may not be. But who's to say? We're to say. We're to say. That's right. We're the ones that have this podcast. But all the, all the Calermans are like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're giving the slaves ideas. And hey, don't blow up our back. He's like, bro, come on now. And then they're like, wait a minute. Who are you? And they're like, give me the password. And then, you know, Tyrion draws his double-bladed middle fingers. And he's like, this is my password. And he's like, the light is dawning. The lie is broken. Like, I'm Tyrion of Narnia. Is Which is a, like, feels like a pretty, like, dope moment where he's like, I'll show you my password. And then, like, starts murdering people. Yeah. I feel like it's a little clunky to say the light it's is a little broken, clunky. Lie is broken. Now guard the miscreant for I am Tyrion. It's just a lot of in words. The, in the movie version in my head, I just ignore all of his words after this is my password. And as he drew his sword, I just picture him just drawing his sword and saying, this is my password. And then just murking guys. That's all that I really think happens. The rest of his words mean nothing to me uh they're they're useless and that's my headcanon here yeah i mean i feel like that's the much more cleaned up uh movie ready version of it now sure real question is how will greta handle this whenever it's is Tyrion kenuff i don't know if he is honestly (laughs) that's his journey (laughs) that's his journey eustace definitely kenuff because Eustace is just doing what he can. He's got real Allen vibes to me. Um, because it'll be funny when Eustace gets played by the same actor that he got played by as <laughs> as a kid. Except now he's just yoked uh, and like that'd be really incredible. funny. I would love that. You mean Adam Warlock? <laughs> yeah, Adam Warlock. I can't think of his actual name. He doesn't have one, Chase. Uh, he, he does not have a name. I uh, he's he's just the kid from Narnia, we're the and then we're the Millers, and then now Adam Warlock. He just is who he is, man. He's but had a whole, Eustace, whole journey. I say he has Alan vibes because if you haven't seen Barbie, right? Alan just wrecks shop and like starts beating up all of these like 
trained fighters uh, and these like very masculine like men and Eustace. It says he drew his sword, rushed at the other one, but his face was deadly pale. I wouldn't blame him for that to C.S. Lewis. Um, and he's like, yeah, you could say he has beginner's luck, but he just started slashing wildly. I don't even know if his eyes were open. And suddenly, Chase found to his own great surprise that the Calermine lay dead at his feet. Eustace killed a guy. You know, sometimes you just get lucky and you murder the person you meant to and not your friends when you're swinging a sword wildly with your eyes closed. Eustace is also not like Peter and Edmund, who spent years and years in Narnia becoming soldiers. Eustace has still spent like, like he, you know, how long was Don Treader? You know, maybe like a year. And in that, in that, that I, time frame, like he wasn't like fencing on the boat. No, he was a dragon mostly. You yeah, know? and then, and then chilling with Reba Cheap. Maybe he got his bloodlust from him, uh, but like I mean, he did has, do that. Uh, he did eat that guy as a dragon, <laughs> but that guy was also a dragon. So but he had it coming. Uh, so <laughs> we we're not talking about cannibalism. We're talking yeah. about murder, Chase. Uh, this is really he's a already, bad rap at that point because he's been made the, a cannibal and a murderer. If the dragon's already dead, I mean, if the guy's already dead, he didn't kill him. He just ate him. You know, but like. This is his first time actually killing someone. Yeah, which is crazy because you'd think that would have happened at some point in the arc of uh, of Silver Chair. Of the Silver Chair, it really doesn't. They uh, don't really find anyone. They just no, escape. they kind of keep running. They, it's kind of interesting. Then thinking about that, because like Peter's first first kill is yeah. like very notable because it is not against a human it's against uh, the werewolf where werewolf scary like monster attacking his sisters yeah and that's portrayed as very like gallant and kind of yeah. like this big turning moment of like yes now you are a leader um but this is very like flustered and quick and he doesn't know what's happening yeah is that c.s lewis becoming more realistic or is that c.s lewis treating eustace worse than peter well here's the deal i think c.s lewis in his way i don't know like maybe it's intentional maybe it's not i think it's drawing attention to the fact that murder is bad and that like even just like killing so. people in war is traumatic because do you know how many lines Eustace speaks in this chapter? None. And like, they yeah. will address Eustace, but Eustace does not speak. Jill will say like, oh, I'm, you know, Jill from, you know, and that's Eustace. And we're the ones who saved King Rillian, but he never addresses anyone. And so I think this is like Eustace's like PTSD really setting in. But despite Eustace's clear uncomfortability with what just happened, Tyrion's like, well struck, Eustace, great murder. Three cheers for Aslan. You know who is very comfortable with what Eustace just did? Jill. Jill. <laughs> oh boy, is she. Yeah. And uh, we're going to get to... Jill's, Jill's like, I might be seeing Eustace in a different light now. Uh, you know, but uh, like, we'll get to that in a little bit. But right now, we've got some uh, we've got some dwarves to deconstruct over here. True, because uh, Tyrion immediately is like, "Hey, how about it? Three cheers for Aslan!" And all the dwarves are like, "Nah, we're good." And Joe's like, "Don't you understand? Like, we just freed you, and the fake Aslan's gone." And they're like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "I'm Jill, and and that's Eustace. Remember, he killed a guy." Uh, and you know, we say it's really children's stories, and they're like, Bruh, here's the deal. I don't know how you guys feel, but I uh, I think I'm good with Aslan, I think we're done, right? And they're like, Yeah, for sure, yeah, we're all done. And the the Instagram pastors would be furious, they would be, but like, here's the deal I not to like excuse them by any means, but I get it, 
No, like, yeah. I, I think their their logic here I mean to be honest is very in line with a lot of what the current yeah. wave of deconstruction but especially the more like I don't know burnt out traumatized version of that is cuz there's yes. a few different camps of people who are either picking apart and reconstructing their faith or on the track towards leaving their faith and a big bucket of those are people who have been hurt by right. the institutions who have been presenting them a certain version of God in certain ways that may or may not line up with what the Bible actually teaches, but right. usually being wielded in a way that doesn't reflect the character of Jesus. And right. that's where this kind of like, well, honestly, I don't care if you have the real Aslan or not. I'm sick of people trying to tell me what to do based on things that I have no actual experience with. This right. is manipulative. I'm out. Right. We're not going to get hurt again. And so therefore like we're good. We don't want to be around Aslan. And he's like, yeah, but you, you never have seen the real Aslan. You know, this was just a, you know, the apes imitation. And he's like, Oh, like, you have the real Aslan with you? Like, and they're like, no, you know, I can't just make Aslan appear in my bidding. Dun, dun, dun. He's not a tame lion, Chase. Yeah. And what a poor, and what a poor choice of words from Tyrion. Like, it really is the only verse that any of these people know. It is the only verse. This is their, their John 316. Yes. And it, it's unfortunate that this is the only thing he can think of in this moment, because it's the same thing that was used to hurt them, to like put them into slavery was, Oh yeah. And they, they tell them they're they're like, that's what the other people said that he's not a tame lion. How could you expect Aslan to like, you know, act a certain way if he's not tame. Right. But they miss out on the fact that he's good. Right. And this is why this, this deconstruction metaphor is so it's so sad in this moment with the dwarves because you go, yeah, I get it. Like they were literally sold into slavery on the word of Aslan quotes, you know? And like they, they're going like, if, if the people that we're supposed to trust in this institution, this person that we're supposed to trust and, and put our faith in, like is now putting us in slavery. And maybe it wasn't him that did it, but who's to say what is him or is there a real him that like, is actually doing this or are people just taking advantage of a moral compass and like, are, are people just using this for their own good? And, and it's tough because obviously Tyrion and Jill and Eustace are in the camp of like, no, but we know what is true and good. We know Aslan and Jill and Eustace have met him and have experienced him. And so they know what's true and good. So it's hard for them to go, but like, yes, but you don't understand truth. But from the door's perspective, it's like, yeah, but we've been burned. And so it's tough because like they're they're gonna miss out on truth and goodness and life because people have taken advantage of them before. Yeah. And like I it's so it's a thing where it's like it doesn't excuse, obviously, but I get it. I understand it. And like when it when they're like, you know what, we don't want any more kings. And even if you are Tyrion, which you don't look like him because you have got a disguise on and all these things. We don't want a king. We don't want Aslan. We're going to look out for ourselves. And like from now on, the dwarves are for the dwarves. And it's kind of presented as like, like kind of funny uh, because it's like, yeah, like, you know, the dwarves are for the dwarves. But it's really like, no, this is a sad and heartbreaking moment. Yeah. And it's tough because the thing that is like mildly noted in the in the actual like text of the book is that like in, in Narnia and this is referring to their hair color, not to their skin color, yes. but it does stand out as an American reader. They, these dwarves are referred to as black dwarves, whereas there's also red dwarves, which have more red hair and they have darker hair. Um, but it really also yes. has that other, especially with slavery yeah and it's i don't know it's interesting to me because you actually don't see 
this type of response from a lot of like the historic black church and community in the yeah. South, which is a honestly good analogy for everything that you just said, but right. tends to be the more orthodox and continuing practice of historic Christianity in the U S than a lot of other traditions. Um, right. We don't have to get into that. Uh, but yeah, the a lot of, a uh, lot of commentaries, whether intended or unintended by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It's funny because I almost don't think he meant to have that level of commentary. Totally. I think Unless he was he's like, just oh, yeah. super tuned in to what's happening on the other aware. side of the pond. But, and maybe, you know, but it, it, I think for him, it was just like, yeah, people are going to turn away from Jesus. And it's like, yes. But also, this is very pointed. And like, it is, uh, it's, it's tough to read, especially in 2023, and, and being like, man, I know people like this. Yeah. And it's like, my heart breaks because I just want to go, but like, don't you know, like how much God loves you? And like, like, I want you to experience that, but I'm also like, man, I know that you've experienced some very real hurt and I can't disagree with that. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch. And just as it's hard to watch here with, you see the dwarves just march away and they, and they ride off playing their drums and, you know, going in their marching orders and the dwarves to my knowledge, are going to just like th- this is their their end, you know, more or less. Where they they w- there is no like redemption, I believe, for them. Um, I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they just like they don't get redeemed back to Aslan eventually, and that's so it's tough to watch. Um, and so that aside, well, uh, one more thing with that that I yes found interesting is that the reaction of Tyrion and and I guess this is the next like page and a half it's a very long reaction Um, but the reaction of Tyrion and the kids is not to try to debate me coward like it's just like oh dejected yeah they just kind of stand there and are shocked and grieved and kind of just have to accept it. Right. Kind of respect that C.S. Lewis didn't try to clean it up as a, well, if they just said the right things, they would have convinced them. Right. And this is why I I do think some of this is the case in a lot of times. I think that this is somewhat intentional because C.S. Lewis, you know, the great apologist, like with mere Christianity and, and things and so many books to describe things where it's like, I think he also recognizes you can't in, in every circumstance and like it will, I want to go back for, you know, sake of fun in a little bit, but at the very end of this reaction before, um, you know, Poggin, uh, is that what his name is? Yeah. Poggin like joins them. Like it, you see Tyrion's like internal monologue a little bit. It says it seemed like, but now it seems he could count on nothing. How many other Narnians might turn the same way as the dwarves? Because before this, he was just like, yeah, like, we'll just tell them what's true. And people will go, oh, truth. Yeah. And they'll just like, love it. And now it's like, wait, is that actually the case? Are people just going to be burned and like hurt from now on? Or like, I don't know if this is actually going to work. And you this see this like, like transition from evangelism 101 to evangelism 201. Right. <laughs> He's now a seminary student who is cynical and and jaded. Uh, But, you know, you know who's not jaded, Chase, to add a little more fun into this? Jill, completely. Uh, You know, says, Jill, besides being disgusted with the dwarves, was very impressed with Eustace's victory over the Calarmine and felt almost shy. And it's so funny because this is her going like, ooh, Eustace, this is crazy. And I just want to read the next line. It goes, as for Eustace, his heart was still beating rather quickly. Eustace is still like, I killed a man. I, I killed him. And Jill is over here like, Jill's like, Eustace, you're such a bad boy. Wow. <laughs> you're crazy. You want to, what are you doing after this? Uh, you want to catch a train? <laughs> <laughs> At least you won't have to process it for long. Um, you know, she's flushed. Is it is it the blood in her cheeks or the blood splattered everywhere? Who knows? Uh, but and the 
I mean, I, I'm glad that C.S. Lewis understands war well enough to not let that be a triumphant yeah. moment for Eustace. Because he but. and he was in arguably the most brutal war that ever existed in World War One with trench warfare, and he and yeah. like you know J.R.R. Tolkien are famous for like writing their experiences there, and like C.S. or like J.R.R. Tolkien has said that like so much of the War of the Ring is about like World War One and. So I'm like, C.S. Lewis is like, this is his little glimpse of being like, yeah, killing people isn't ideal, right? And and you just, again, says nothing this entire chapter to my, like, I'm pretty sure that is true. But he doesn't just, like, get over it, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that it's like, oh, this is this is heavy. Like, killing a guy, even in self-defense, or even when it's, it's like, that, it's not going to just be easy. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I actually really appreciated about like game of thrones and like that yeah. whole story the whole ned stark they have a whole like conversation of like yeah you never forget your first kill and like they go around the circle and like yeah i still remember his face and it's just like yeah you never get over something that traumatizing that's and a huge deal it's like seasoned war veterans having that conversation but no doubt. No doubt. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we move on and, and we continue on in silence with Eustace. And all of a sudden, they hear someone approaching. Tyrion's like, yo, who's that? And we find out uh, it's a guy named Poggin, the dwarf. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't agree with everyone else, but he didn't want to say anything in front of them. So he's going to come and join their side. And if they can get a dwarvish sword for him, you know, he's he, he will gladly fight for him. And they're like, yeah, like we got ourselves a dwarf. Great. And my axe. Yeah. Is what I wish he had said, but you know. Yeah. I feel like that at least brings in the theme of like the remnant of just like, uh, not the movie, yeah. but like the, yes. the, <laughs> the, the select theme of the remnant of yes. uh, like even when it looks like, all are turning away. God preserves yeah. people for himself. And right. it's not as hopeless as it looks from the outside, which right. is a theology that I feel like didn't expect this chapter to be such a deep, I guess kind of expected this chapter to be a deconstruction conversation, but that is like what I wish I could tell all the doom and gloomer people out there about yeah this stuff of like okay well it is less about the fact that these people are walking away from your institutions and more about the fact that right. god will continue his work of saving people right. and god is still moving towards redemption yeah it's not that we've somehow lost ground it's that right you are seeing more starkly the sin within the institutions that you thought were perfect. Totally. Absolutely. And it's, I think this book is going to set us up for, you know, especially as it continues going on more and more conversations like this, whether it's about deconstruction or just about like heavy topics in general. And I'm excited for that because it's one of the reasons why last battle I think stands out is because it's like, Oh, we're, we're, we're dealing with things, right? Just as silver chair was like, Oh, you want to deal with like depression and like, you want to deal with doubt great and c.s lewis is finally starting to kind of tackle some real stuff in this and so um it's it, it's really sweet and really good but the reaction to Poggin joining them is very interesting because they don't have an actual like real conversation at least on page with him nope until way later on because the first thing they do is just like great let's make our way to the tower like we were and so they keep going yeah. And they clean themselves up and Puzzle and Jewel stay outside because they're, you know, not humans, uh, which feels tough or like not like, you know, humanoid. Yeah. Uh, but they're also irresponsible when one of them is like your captured like proof. Right. Like, tell me you can't just like there's not a stable or like a room that they could just like chill in. Like, yeah. I don't know. Just but let them whatever. The house. I mean, it's already going to smell bad later, so you might as well just go ahead and embrace it. Right. You just do what you do. But whatever. Uh, and, like, it turns out, you know, it says, like, 
there's a whole lot of like after a whole lot of lots of stuff then there's a whole lot of like whatever and like nothingness uh and just like okay two pages cooking yeah it's like hey jewel and unicorn decide to like start uh you know or or jewel and and not jewel and puzzle jewel is the, the unicorn yeah like they start bonding over being, you know, beasts. Uh, it's like, well, okay. And they're like, they're talking oh, about things. They have both hooves. I have hooves. Great. You like eating right? grass and sugar? Me too. And it's like, great. And then, again, they give one little small point of importance to Eustace in his, you know, trauma that he's experienced. And he's like, Tyrion then expected, uh, you know, Eustace's sword, found that Eustace had put it back in the sheath, all messy from the killing the calamine say that it's covered in blood you coward right like but it's like he put it in a sheet and then he was scolded for that and made to clean and polish it and c.s lewis is going to do nothing if he is not going to make sure that you know how to properly you know take care and clean your sword from all the blood that you just shed yeah i mean this is fully a callback to lion witch in the wardrobe <laughs> yep He's just going to make sure... Aslan will not continue the conversation until you've cleaned your sword. It's just... It's core to his personality, and you you clean his kicks. C.S. Lewis, like, this had to be something that was, like, ingrained in him. Like, how... Like, what was the the lie to the first few books that was, like, we were hearing all the time or whatever uh, that we just kept making fun of? That was a long time ago, but... It was. There was, like... Couldn't tell you. <laughs> but uh he was like, like, I feel like this is now like something that's like he had to have been told this at some point, whether it was like clean your your gun or you know, keep your material, say, I don't know. But that's it. That's as that's the rest we get for you, sis, in this yeah. little small section. Uh where he's like, Hey, I know you're traumatized, but clean your sword, you idiot. And he's like, Ooh, okay. And then they just keep going. Uh and then Jill's like, Man, I wish I could eat grass like jewel and puzzle. <laughs> and <I was> like <laughs> <coughs> Apologies if that came through in the recording. Uh, Not accepted. But it's just she's staring so out weird. the window, watching them eat grass, and wishing that she could eat grass because she's so hungry because it's taking so long to cook. And then they That's eat their the interesting like, oh, half of this chapter. Like, why even include all this? Because all of this happens, and then they're like, "Okay, Poggin, now that we've like." sat around for a long time and cooked because all this food that you killed for us and like let's actually hear your story like what happened and like Tyrion's like but more importantly what do they tell of me what happened to my escape yeah that's the funniest part of this to me is that Tyrion doesn't actually care what's happening with the other people he cares about his reputation he's like do they 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 say about how I escaped did they say it looked cool because it looked pretty cool right I felt pretty dope, right? Like I killed guys. Uh, Eustace did too, and Eustace is like, <laughs> like real Jasper eyes from Twilight. Uh, yeah, Eustace and is just staring up towards a corner, not acknowledging <laughs> that anyone's talking. To just him. knees to his chest, shaking. Uh, but uh, like Poggins, like, oh yeah, crazy, like crazy tale, very cunning. Is the cat Ginger, which is again, I it's a very like the Ginger feels like way too a uh, like earth pet name of a cat or it's like yeah that's ginger she's a tabby uh or it's like that does not feel very narnian to me yeah it which i mean c.s lewis is really leading into the we all know a cat like this (laughs) it's like cats suck am i right this is why this cat sucks because this cat was basically like wow King was cursing and like saying a bunch of words that I'm not going to repeat about Aslan. And then Aslan like appeared in a flash of lightning and swallowed up the majesty in one bite. And everyone is really scared. And the ape was like, this is why you should do everything I say and let that be a warning to you all. And we all know cats because cats suck. Am I right? Every cat would do this. Yeah. Which it's true. Every cat would do this. Every cat would sell you out like that. Yeah. In a, in a, without question. Uh, and so then Tyrion's like, ah, of course, cats, they're the worst. I'm so, so the ape has taken the cat into its, in its council. And the dwarf is like, nah, dog. They're like, the cat has taken the ape into his council. You think the ape is in charge? Bro, there's a cat here. Cats are obviously way more intelligent. Yeah. Cats are way more intelligent. Also that ape, he's been drunk for months. (laughs) He's 
<laughs> bro is hammered on some Narnian and Calarbine wine right now. You have no idea. Like it's he's like, man, this has gone so well for him that he's just he's just drowning his like ambitions on the bottle, which is tough. Uh and it's like, I feel like this was I feel like you could have just said the ape wasn't as clever or smart as the cat and he outwitted him. But he's like, no, he's a drunkard. It's like, oh well, all right. Yeah, it is a weird place to just drop in a substance abuse problem. But yeah, it, it feels a little like, you know, dare, like shoehorned in kind of thing. But like, yeah. But also, like, if the main risk of taking up heavy drinking was that you lose position in your political organization. If only. I'm sure but, it's commenting on something, but I, I'm not tracking. Um, C.S. Lewis is just making sure that the kids know that they shouldn't start drinking, even though he has definitely encouraged juvenile drinking throughout these books. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, it feels like it's probably referring to a specific like British politician from the 50s, and I couldn't tell you which one. <laughs> now so, I want to know if there was a British politician in the 50s known as the ape. <laughs> I've just got to I've got to rewatch the crown real quick and look out. <laughs> is this is this Churchill? Is this There's no way. Can't be Winston. Yeah, you I mean that feels like something that CS Lewis would do though. It yeah, does for it, sure. But it does bring back around the thing that was kind of seeded a few chapters ago of this yeah. cat's response to the, the calamine the ape's whole like setting up the Calarmines to be on their side, like when Tyrion was there and when they were having their whole council, like Definitely. they had this whole interaction of the Calarmine, uh, the Tarkin being like, yes, Aslan is no more, or no less than Tash. And right. you just have this one little moment where the cat's eyes light up and like, Oh, I think I see what you mean. And then it's just left there. And then five chapters pass and here we are. Um, right. This is where it comes back around where not only does, does Poggin have the report of the popular story, but also yes. he just happened to be in a dark place unseen where he heard the voice of the cat and the voice of the Tarkin conspiring in the shadows. Right. Uh, this is, this is a moment. I'm glad we hear this, but I wish that we had heard this from like the perspective of Tyrion as he was tied up or from the perspective of like puzzle as he was like locked up or, you know, something, you know, like, I don't like that. It was just this random guy that happened to be there. Like, Yeah. It feels very convenient in a way that's like C.S. Lewis wanted to let us know that this wasn't just assumption. This was like reality, but also right. He didn't have a way, or he didn't feel like going back and like adding this in earlier, right? Or revealed this later when we interact yeah. with the cat or that calorie next, or of like there is no Tash, there is no Aslan. Like reveal all this then, you know. But yeah. we are where we yeah, are. Just monologue and, and say how oh there was a dark night where we met in secret and said like he right. yeah. But instead, you know, we are where we are. And like the cat's like, what did you mean when you said this? And the cowman's like, I think you know what I meant. And it's like, ah, good. As in there is no God, right? And he's like, of course, every enlightened person knows that. Uh, definitely not a commentary on society as a whole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, they're like, sweet. So we're on the same page. Good. And then the cat's like, you get a little tired of the ape, and he's like, oh my god, yes, he's the worst, but we gotta make, so make use of it for now. So annoying. Uh, and they're like, the cat's like, hey, let's go grab a few of these other enlightened Narnians who actually don't agree, or don't believe in Tash or Aslan, uh, and, you know, we'll make sure that they, you know, they're the ones that believe in profit and capitalism and the things that the Tizrak can provide. And the Calamine's like, great. Find some good ones. And I do appreciate that the enemy of Narnia is capitalism, but <laughs> isn't it always Chase? I don't think the evangelical church is ready for that. Oh no. God save the country. God save capitalism. Um, I believe that was, I believe that David wrote that in the book of Psalms. Um, I I've heard a certain 
person high up in a major denomination say that capitalism is in the Bible. And uh, if you read, if you read scripture, like not, this is not me advocating for any political things because obviously the world does not work in ideals, but like in an ideal sense, I don't know if this is a hot take. It, like if I'm about to, you know, receive backlash from this, like Acts 2 sounds a whole lot like communism and like, you know, early church, but in, in an ideal sense, right? But people are greedy and so it, you know, never works out in the real sense. But yeah, like, it's, it's fully, I mean, the ideal of the new creation is God as king and his people living fully off of the generosity of his gracious resources. Yeah, right. And work being a good choice and participation, not a labor that is necessary for survival because right. we're all provided for by the good. <laughs> the right. We have, ev- we have everything we need in the Lord. Yeah. But again, no, it's, it's uh, new creation, not sinful reality. And correct. But yeah, it is funny. We don't have to sit on this any longer because we will get ourselves into a corner um, that there are the people who are like, no, if you read the Proverbs, they say that you've got to work for everything or else you'll die. And so that means that you better get a job and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, I feel like scripture also has a lot to say about how you should be generous to the poor. (laughs) Right. I was like, you're, you're conveniently skipping a lot of, you know, passages like, don't be the guy who walks past a homeless person and says, be warm and well-fed without giving them a blanket and food. Like, uh, it's like, yeah. Just read the book of Ruth and ask yeah. yourself, how did, what, what part of God's law allowed her and her mother-in-law to survive? The redeemer? The Sounds redeemer like and also the requirement to leave the edges of the field so that the poor could have free food. Yeah, sounds like something that a like a our great and wonderful corporations should and would do. Hashtag, don't worry about these strikes. Hashtag, uh, people are paid fine. But um, now we're so yeah to to avoid any more economic discussions, uh, you know, because the world is too expensive for that, and we aren't paying for you know premium on Zoom. Uh, uh, yeah, they made us wait ten minutes between our forty minute segments this time. <laughs> You try to try to squeeze us for every last penny, but we won't have it. Uh, nope. <laughs> we'll send each other voice memos if we need to. <laughs> I don't know if we'll do that. <laughs> we won't. We will. That's a lot of effort. But that would be the end of what? this podcast. I think. I think we could just FaceTime each other and just like screen record it. You know, that's possible. But it would just be more. It's a little more work. Uh, but they're like cool. Like, and so they get back to the you know the story. And like Poggin has finished telling the story and they're like, wow, it's really cold. And also what's that horrible smell? It smells like a dead bird. How have we not noticed this? <gasps> Look up chase. What is it? <gasps> I don't know. Who can say Maybe anything? I haven't opened Who the next say? chapter. I, I know what it is. And I feel like they should have included, like if you want to leave this on a cliffhanger, especially if you're going to say it smells like a dead bird, include one more line. And yeah. that line is, and they saw something flying above them that had like the face of a, you know, of a bird. And like it described Tash because that's what's coming. Yeah, it's honestly Why? like the cliffhangers have been this. This book has been fairly interesting so far. Yeah. The cliffhangers have been very annoying because they're all like this of like, yeah. And then they bent down to pick up a rock. And that's yeah. just where the chapter ends. Like, it's just like, not... Move, and, and this is different, but because we're not doing it further up and further in today, I just want to include the last section, or the first section of the next chapter, briefly, because it says, like, they like when they see this thing, it was roughly the shape of a band, but it had the head of a bird. It's some bird of prey with a cruel curved beak. It had four arms, which held a head, it's high, which held high above its head. Like, end with this. End with this description. Don't start 
a chapter with this description, end it with this description. Yeah. And that's a cliffhanger. End the chapter with the villain bursting and it's like, Can't I, Potter? And yes. then <laughs> you will want to read the next chapter to see right. what happens. Right. Is yeah. All that to say. Learn how to be, you know, learn how to do a cliffhanger better, C.S. Lewis, as you're dead. But whatever. Uh, but Chase, that's the end of our chapter. Yeah, we did it. We, we did it. We, we we made it. We we started. We are here, you know, and we will definitely continue to make podcasts at intervals. Yeah, at some point. It's funny because I have not updated our Instagram since I created it to say anything other than episodes release on Saturdays. Um, I think I think you should just release like a Michael Jordan like coming back from retirement esque thing. It just says we're back, and it's us at a press conference. But you know what else? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm just gonna do a whole. I'm gonna black out our whole Instagram feed, and then just post a picture of Tash and may he live forever. May live forever. Uh, and then just see what happens. See if we get like a million new followers. Love it. But Chase, as we're, you know, sitting here uh, preparing ourselves to, you know, move through our day, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find more of our content, even though we have not updated it several months? Yeah. If, uh, if you are not my dog trying to give me a toy to play with right now and want to find us. Uh, you can do that on Apple podcasts, Spotify. Does Google podcast still exist? Who knows? But if it does, you can find us there. And, uh, yeah, while you're there, leave us a rating and review, uh, so that other people can find the podcast and, you know, while you're at it, go ahead and go over to Instagram and follow us at Chronicles of Podcast, where we post whenever we do actually get around to posting new episodes. And you can engage with us and, uh, and I don't know, let us know what you think about about Tash, about, yeah. <laughs> about deconstruction, about dwarves, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Do it yeah. there. If it's offensive, I'll delete it. But, you know, that's, that's on you to be that's a just... responsible human in the world. Yeah. And until, until next time, don't let the stinging reality of your first kill or the fact that we will all pass away bother you. Just let it, let it marinate. Just let it sit there. Just don't say a word. Do you guys ever think about dying? I'm very okay not having a further up and further in today. Cool. Slash maybe ever. I look, we don't have to have that at the end of the last section of this book. I feel like we're just currently listening is not in it for that anymore. (laughs) Like the further up and further in, you know, eventually we're gonna get further up and further in in this book. So like I feel like you know we're fine. Yeah, we're just saving it. We're letting it build up. Yeah. Simmering, you know? Yeah. Putting it on a nice marinade. But good. Do you grill? Let me tell you, son. Like a beer appears in your hand. <clears throat> no, we got tube socks on out of nowhere. My my khaki shorts just grew eight pockets. 